0: Welcome to our Perimenopause What The F Podcast, brought to you by the PERI community. In this podcast, your host, Rachel Hughes, talks everything, and we mean everything, perimenopause. She helps us navigate through all our What The F Perimenopause moments and all, is this normal? Questions. Rachel talks with perimenopause experts, thought leaders, and inspirational voices of the community. To connect with other perimenopause warriors, download our free PERI app. You can find the link in our show notes. And now let's dive right in.
1: Hey, everyone, this is Rachel of Rachel Hughes Midlife here with another episode of Perry Talks, where we like to deep dive into all things perimenopause and menopause, bringing you the science and the sisterhood. Today I am speaking with Paula Rastrick on HSP and perimenopause. HSP or highly sensitive persons, those of us living with PTSD, those of us having suffered childhood trauma and the like are all having a louder perimenopausal experience and we may not have put the dots together. Paula is a therapist with a special heart and focus on people who are living through a more dialed-up season of life right now and are missing this piece of their own personal puzzle. I suspect there are many, many more women who fall into this category than we could imagine, and I'm thrilled to speak to Paula to learn more. Her work is profoundly important. For future episodes, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, and now let's get started. Um welcome, Paula Rastrik. I I was just um sort of making conversation and um sharing my thoughts about the importance of this conversation that, that we're about to have and just sort of getting, you know, I I well I, I won't get ahead of myself, but I, I just I'm so glad for this conversation. I I welcome you here to the Perry community. I will introduce you in a moment, but I just want to ask everyone who's here now to please mute their device. And um and if you have any questions, any comments, just drop them in the chat. I'll facilitate them for you, Paula, if you like, or you know, feel free to go ahead and, and look on your own. Um, Paula Rastrick, therapist, sports and exercise psychologist, specialist in behavioral medicine, a yoga teacher, a Pilates teacher. Paula, welcome again to the Perry community. Thank you so much for um, bringing this conversation into what I call sort of the puzzle of perimenopause and menopause. Yeah. I feel like it's a piece that is largely missing from the conversation. And I think impacts more women than we all may know collectively, but in many cases than the individual may know. Um, So I want to first sort of open space for you, Paula, to share as much or as little of your story as it relates to your journey to this work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and just for one second, I just want to ask again, everyone to please mute their device if they would. Um, And I'm going to type it in the chat and uh, Paula, take it from there.
2: So I think it is important that there's context around kind of where I was to where I am today. And Mm. so I'm going to give some information on that. So. I'm 51 and in 2017, so I just turned 45, um, the kind of menopause conversation then, you know, six years ago was really quite limited. You know, it wasn't talked about at all. It's probably the start of when things started to perhaps become more mainstream. I mean, I'm based in the UK, but it certainly wasn't something that was being talked about. I think we were just kind of on the fringes of it. And I had a business and I had several big life stresses. And I, I'll talk about kind of what life stresses are. But so big ones. So the kind of top, um, you know, um, I had a, a redundancy. Um, I My husband then was made redundant. And so this kind of explosion of stuff happened. And we were just about to move house and we lost the house and all of this. So it was a big kind of a bit of a mess. Um, And then I saw online uh, a doctor um, in the UK talking about, do you know if you're really feeling these symptoms? And there was a list of these symptoms, which is really pertinent, you know, anxiety, um, you can't sleep, you know, sex drive, all of these things that you see now as perimenopause symptoms, which I think people would recognise more. Um, You know, you may want to consider the fact that you're perimenopausal. I was like, okay, you know, that sounds, you know, when you read the symptoms and you think that's me and you kind of self, you know, resonate with that. So I booked an appointment and I went, and at the end of the day, I was put on HRT. And this conversation isn't about HRT because, um, you know, what's right for one isn't right for the other, but it's what led me to where I am. Now I was put on really high doses. So I was started off on a very, very high dose of HRT. And the long and short of that was my body rejected it. So I now know that I I really didn't feel well. I really got to a place where I was not well mentally. So I went back and the the dose got doubled. And so it kind of plummeted me. It was like a kind of car crash. I was already highly stressed and I ended up in a very, very kind of um, dark place is what I'll say. So after I found out that I needed to come down off the HRT medics got involved I had to be put on antidepressants to kind of stabilize me and that went on for about a year and a half Um, and then through that journey I decided to finish my business Um, I think I hit rock bottom that's what I'm trying to say I hit rock bottom so I then made some decisions about do you know what gonna start to look at myself and this is when i joined the dots so i started to look at the research i'm a very i'm classed as a highly sensitive person we can talk about that i didn't realize that either and i wanted to go back and i wanted to investigate what happened to me why did i end up in such um a poorly way mentally really And so I just started to look at research and then look at this and look at that and started to create a picture. And one of the things that I really realized was that um, I've got complex trauma in in my background. So childhood trauma is my um, I've got nine out of 10 adverse childhood experiences, which is something that's now researched. We know that childhood experiences impact mental and physical health. We already know that stuff, that is research. But then I started to look at, does that impact you in midlife? Because from my experience, I can honestly say, even though the psychology I've done, I've realized that that's an avoidance tactic. I've spent my life trying to kind of run away from my trauma. And do things to keep myself busy. And, you know, I'm that kind of high functioning, highly stressed, holds down a you know responsibility really well. But inside, I'm quite I was quite disconnected. And, and I think disconnected is the word that I've really tried to kind of think. Your brain and your body is disconnected. Yes, you're you're living and we're we're there, but we're not really there. And I think that happens over years and time. It did for me so then i started to look at the research around childhood experiences and menopause symptoms so we do have Mm -hmm. that research don't we that's saying that women with a trauma background adverse childhood experiences that's what the research is on we are looking at the links between the endocrine system the toxic stress our brains are more sensitive nervous system dysregulation so our brains are already wired Um, from childhood and that's my story. But then I started to look at the concept and I don't even know how I managed to join the dots, but the concept of what's called being a highly sensitive person. Now, about 15, 20% of the population are now classed as highly sensitive people. And that could have been because I was born with that personality trait, that genetic trait. Or it could be that it was shaped in my childhood. But highly sensitive people, sensory processing sensitivity, it's called, have more sensitive nervous systems. And we are more sensitive to the environment. So I find this stuff so fascinating. I could talk all day, but. It really is, yeah. Mm -hmm. The sensitivity of being over medicalized, my body, is sensitive it's more sensitive than say you know Joanne's here you know this is the thing about each individual brain and nervous system and we are on a scale of sensitivity you'll have people that have personality traits that are really not sensitive so I could go into sort of you know narcissistic profiles and then you've got more sensitive people right these traits so when you put a highly sensitive person and a highly sensitive person with a trauma background. And then you put all of that medication in at once. You, you, you're overloading. I believe that's what happened to me. It overloaded my body, my system. So that's how I started to join
1: it all up. Thank you for that, Paula. I wanna, I wanna just understand something and clarify for for myself, for any of us. There is the diagnosis of a highly sensitive person, there is the childhood adverse trauma background. And then in your case, there was the over-medication of hormones. Now, let me just ask you this though. One doesn't need to be taking hormone therapy at all to have the experience of the other two is that correct that's completely correct so from the research i've done right
2: so the reason that i talk about the nervous system being more sensitive is because people with a trauma background have a more sensitive nervous system so we'll say that that's the common denominator right people that are classed as highly sensitive people also have a sensitive nervous system so when you, one of the reasons I I look at it because i join joined Dots Up is as a, as a human being, if you were to look at the biology of a human being, we're made of multiple dynamic systems because the endocrine system, the hormone system interacts with the digestive system, the nervous system. There are at least 11 systems within the body, right? So what I think I'm trying to put forwards is that, you know, you'll have people, well, the vagus nerve connects the gut, the brain, the nervous system, the endocrine system. So it's really understanding a little bit more about your own personal nervous system and your brain, which will help you to unlock some of the answers potentially of what's going on with your whole being. If that, if that, yes, kind of makes it sense. makes,
1: it makes total sense. And I find this very exciting and very fascinating because. I think I would I would I would argue that all of us here are at the very least aware of or in tune with the idea that we are this whole being brain body mind spirit soul right right and and so what may happen as a result of incidents of trauma of chronic trauma is we learn to function despite this sort of carrying this weight of this and often that means sort of parsing out one separating one from the other right yes and you know so I want to I want to I want to bring us back for one second I I think as I was chatting with with people on the call before you jumped on and I was saying that I I really feel strongly, this is sort of like the missing piece in this conversation and women may wanna know why despite hormones, despite therapy maybe, um, despite antidepressants, relationships, whatever it is, despite everything, they're having a particularly difficult perimenopausal season Um, and and sort of ha- having having experiences and and experiencing symptoms that feel sort of more dialed up and being aware of this piece bringing this into the conversation may help to start another part of this walk with more clarity with more understanding yeah. um it, it does that sound
2: yeah fair? i think i think as well so you know when you I wanna make it really clear as well, because obviously we've got, there's so much we could discuss, but you, the two highly sensitive people and trauma, right, you don't have to, the the common denominator that we share is the nervous system dysregulation, right? And and this is really, this is kind of where I'm coming at, this kind of whole dysregulation, we'll call it, right? Disconnection, dysregulation. And so the way that we um, the way that I've looked at it is we now know from research that 80 percent of communications are sent from the bottom up. So. The body up to the brain and we live in a world and certainly from a therapeutic. say, if you go to therapy, there's a lot of cognitive work. Mm -hmm. So I. But we now know that if the nervous system is dysregulated, it's called being out of your window of tolerance, right? And that's an individual thing, which I can talk about if you want me to. I just want you to understand each individual window of tolerance is unique to the person, right? Now we know the communication is coming up from the brain to the body through sensations and feelings. And we know the nervous system holds that information. So trauma, So my experience was, and I haven't got the research for this, so I'm just going to say it's an, this is an opinion of my experience is that there's, there comes a time in life where you can't keep it down. The repressed stuff, right, Mm -hmm. is coming up. That's the only way I can describe it. And, and I think that we get to the point where the, the nervous system is overwhelmed to the point where it's kind of crying out a little bit it's kind of saying listen and the body needs attention but what we do is we spend most of our time kind of up here right Mm -hmm. up in our minds like you know people talk about anxiety this is a you know a big thing a big symptom right oh I've got lots of anxiety I've got lots of anxiety so you know there are multiple forms of anxiety it's very nuanced so we can't just say it's anxiety however when we have anxiety we tend to be up here in our thinking what we're going to call the thinking um brain right the mind the mind start the thoughts we'll call it then because you start going and you start thinking well if i if i do this then this won't happen Mm -hmm. and then i'm doing we're kind of doing this whole protection thing of like going over it and overing it and what they're now saying or the research is saying is you need to get back into the body it's the body that holds the score it's the body so If your nervous system is dysregulated this kind of overthinking thing isn't going to solve that problem which is why i think people are going around in circles of Mm. not understanding it's a loop it's the brain the body and then your thoughts what you think is your your mind we'll call it the mind your thoughts right but it starts from the body and it happens very quickly because if you get triggered by something right It's the body that reacts. And I'm I'm just going to say like my triggers, I can tell you now, if I feel it, I feel it here. That is where I can tell you I feel and that happens in nanoseconds quickly, sending information to the brain. The brain is then picking up the sensations. Then your thoughts start because you don't like the feeling. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it makes complete sense. Um, Paula, I just want to circle back, if you would. sort of get a bit descriptive with a a little terminology and connect it back to perimenopause for us so a highly sensitive person if you could sort of break down just a bit um and is it true that this is genetic and how can we tell if we're highly sensitive right Right.
2: so there's lots of information that i've got there's actually some science um there's research papers so in london uh, i was sitting on a webinar the other day with researchers They've done some brain scans, but the most way, the, the way that they're testing it is through a questionnaire. So it's personality traits. I wanna make that really clear. It's not a dysfunction, it's not a disorder. But if we talk about sensory processing sensitivity, which is the scientific name for a highly sensitive person, oestrogen, which is a hormone that we know declines, in perimenopause, fluctuates is the best way because in perimenopause it's a roller coaster. After menopause, it seems to settle, right? But perimenopause is that phase of estrogen is involved in multiple parts of brain regulation. I don't want to get too, but sensory processing is regulated. Estrogen helps regulate that. Now, as a highly sensitive person. Our sensory processing is different to 80% of the population. So we've already got more heightened Mm -hmm. sensory processing. Does that make sense? So, yes, very helpful. We feel you'll find highly sensitive people, some of the personality, the characteristics of it would be, and it's on a scale, it's a lot to talk about, would be maybe empathic. They feel other people's energy, their pain. Right. This is an actual science driven thing now. It's not just. Woo-hoo. yeah. So yeah. sensory processing sensitivity. One of the things I found is my noise sensitivity. People talk about in. Imp- oh, God, I can hear like what's going on. That affects mental health, doesn't it? Because I'm forever going, guys, need yeah. just the noise. That's yeah. related to sensory processing. So anxiety levels, we are more prone to high stress levels, higher anxiety, burnout. A really good example would be, I think, Jacinda Ahern, who was the New Zealand um, Prime Minister. I think yes. she's highly sensitive. She's an empath. And she, you could see that kind of personality. So if you understand that personality trait and you look at your spectrum, it's on a, ba- a spectrum, it crosses over with other things like ADHD, autism, and we know ADHD is now being more diagnosed, but it's distinct. That's the thing I want to make clear, but you can have ADHD and be highly sensitive.
1: Right. And you can be like, highly sensitive with no traumatic background.
2: hundred percent. But if you're highly sensitive, yeah? So you can be highly sensitive with no trauma, but you're still going to have some of the symptoms that cross over into a more trauma-related, and I'll tell you why, because we process, depth of processing. So you are more emotional, you feel more emotion. So a stressful event for somebody that's highly stressed, highly sensitive, is deeper than it is for, you know, as I said, Joanne over there, because she's not highly sensitive. So
1: that processing is deeper within the brain. Yes. Um, this is so much to take in, and you're you're doing such a a brilliant job. I'm of, not know of, stuff. No, it is. Well, I think I think also for me, I'm thinking about the overlap of all these things, and maybe I'm trying to parse them apart, but maybe that's not really the thing to do. So correct me as we go. Um, you brought up empathic people you've brought up high functioning anxiety um, and now I'm sort of seeing it and get again correct me if I'm, I'm wrong that nervous system dysregulation is sort of the top of the pyramid if you would and all of these other things yeah yes. and may may or may not be woven into that person's nervous system dysregulation
2: yes because the nervous system if you think about the way they've looked at the research for menopause symptoms for women with trauma Mm -hmm. we know that if you have um, at least even one has been researched childhood experiences that is linked to more severity of menopause symptoms Mm -hmm. so this is what i'm saying there's this link between the nervous system and the endocrine
1: system? So I will speak personally. I have a adverse childhood uh, experiences. I have childhood trauma and this is all new to me. I'm hearing this, I'm getting, I'm learning as we go. However, when I, believe i started in perimenopause just about 10 years ago um uh, my mother said to me among other things she said oh you should you know i think you're in perimenopause that's what it sounds like my first symptom was anxiety which i although i sort of suffered with depression periodically anxiety it felt different it felt different yep. this time so yep. she said you should go speak to your gynecologist but she also said you may find that you have a harder time in perimenopause because you have trauma. And it was like, sort of went in and went out. And so learning this and hearing this now is new. I'm a little bit, maybe admittedly struggling with how to kind of get it all and have it make sense for all of us. Um, So I, I just say that to say that it is, Looking back, um, absolutely true. I will also say that there have been significant moments like um, childbirth and becoming a mother, and that whole time that I think was also so sort of driven or made louder because of but hormonal fluctuations. That's what happened to me as well. So I have right? postnatal depression. Yeah. Yes. And so, I and so with that, can you talk a bit about if sort of I guess how to reflect on your experience and, and sort of see it, um, sort of be an observer looking back so that you can maybe begin to get on the path of Healing and wellness in ways that you may not have considered before, if that makes yeah. sense.
2: I think the first stage in anything like this, because it's quite so. Say you're dealing with trauma. So, if I was talking to you, and I myself have, um, I've put the kind of adverse childhood experiences questionnaire up on my website, and people can go and take that first. The first stage in any type of approach is just awareness, isn't it? It's just knowing. Oh. Maybe this is having an impact on me, on my mental health, on my physical health, because if you're dealing with trauma, say say you're somebody that's um, had childhood trauma and you haven't processed that because I didn't. I knew, but I didn't process it. I ran away from it. I just kept running all my life and thinking, I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to make myself really super busy person all the time. So. one thing i want to be really cautious around is if you're going to go backwards and actually think about processing trauma that is a specific journey that that is not something that you would do unsupervised that would be done with a trauma informed like me a therapist but but prior to that i would say before you even wanted to go into that space there are multiple things that you can start to do and learn about regulation of your nervous system. So the precursor to any kind of, I'm going to, because it's 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 held in in implicit memory and stuff like that, there's, there's a lot of therapy work on that. But the precursor to that would be, okay, I understand, I'm not ready to go there. I don't want to go there, but put the foundations in of, okay, how can I learn how to regulate my nervous system? It's like saying, I'm going to eat this prop- you know, this food because I know it's good for me. You can learn about your nervous system and start to put in regulation techniques. It's like going, I don't know, to the gym and saying, I'm going to do strength training. That's how I would want to, that's why I want to speak to people about it. Does that make sense? Rather than it being yes. a scary kind yes. of like, You know, I don't want to go there nobody really is going I want to go there (laughs) so it's about first of all having that awareness accepting perhaps that perhaps that's you and this is work that maybe needs to be done and we've got opportunities now haven't we you know midlife is a big opportunity I see it as a growth period rather Mm. than a I'm going downhill you know there's, there's ways you can look at things isn't there right yeah traumatic growth is my kind of thing you know I've been there myself but the way we approach midlife and perimenopause is either I'm going that way or no this is the time I'm gonna take back my agency and I'm going that way it's does that kind of of a a junction I think yes
1: it's opportunity for sure for sure it's
2: opportunity not downhill so you know, you want to start, you know, even just thinking about does that apply to you? Um, my work that I'm going to be doing is, is I mean, doing it on Instagram at the moment, is just giving people these little tap ins of, you know, somatic work, mm-hmm. breath work, just techniques that you, because it's quite hard to deal with um, just going, I'm going to sit there and meditate, for example. I mean, yes. pretty much nobody, let's be honest. <laughs> it's hard it's hard
1: to get there
2: and if you've had any kind of trauma and I know it's a very um you know there's big t little t you're talking different you know trauma is a response for each individual so if you're highly sensitive and you didn't have childhood trauma I can tell you now you're processing trauma in a deeper way than 20% of the population so you're still holding we hold more in the nervous system so first of all I think learning these little techniques now meditation's often touted isn't it go and meditate I mean I'm a yoga teacher I started yoga years ago after I had postnatal depression I remember bursting into tears in a yoga class thinking why am I crying it's because you you're going into spaces and I don't want to be there I don't want to be still you know that's another thing I don't want to think so regulating the body is the first stage of getting to that next layer does that
1: Yes, help. it may, it does help. And I wanna circle yes. back to sort of ways to start to address some of this um, in, in steps and and you offer a lot of it on your feed. So if you're not following Paula, Mrs. Paula Rastrick. On- what I'm gonna
2: do is offer these yeah. kind of little techniques to give insights, really. Yeah. They're not, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously quite complex. It's not as straightforward as, you know, here we go. But meditation, I I find when people say, oh, you could meditate. Well, if you ever try, you know, it's hard work. And if you're holding trauma, it's even harder because you just want to go up in up here.
1: And it's like. Yeah. So so Paula, take us through if for anyone who's just sort of needing to know, how do I know if I have this? So, of course, they go on your website. You can take this quiz. What might tip people off to the fact that they are highly sensitive persons in perimenopause. You've mentioned burnout, if you could explore that a little bit, but what what else is there? And I think if you could, because you mentioned the hearing, which is a, a symptom, right? And we see that sort of across Instagram, you know, people talking about Eye stuff and ear stuff and vaginal stuff and like it's all there's yes there's all of this but 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 I think for for the 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 women that you're speaking with it's it's more right clearly it's deeper it's experienced more deeply but what are what are some of the the symptoms that should sort of trigger us to maybe look within a little more
2: i tell you what i have done I've, I've i've taken all of the perimenopause symptoms every single one of them this might surprise people right um in terms of emotional symptoms psychological symptoms and brain symptoms pretty much a lot of the symptoms are brain symptoms i mean perimenopause isn't just a reproductive transition your brain is is really key right so when you look at vasomotor symptoms hot flashes hot flashes, when you look at anxiety, when you look at mood swings, right, irritability, anger, you know, crying, emotional stuff. If you look at those symptoms, which I've done, and then cross-check them with symptoms, and I don't want to say um, this is everyone, but symptoms of trauma,
0: Mm. they're all
2: the same. They tick every single box. So it's quite difficult because I think what's happening is, in some ways, we've got this list of symptoms and I don't know if it's like that with you, right? And you, and people are going check symptoms. It's perimenopause, check. Now it could be perimenopause because if you're at a certain age, there's a window, isn't there, where you kind of, you know, but those are going to be mixed in with previous symptoms. So it's like, it's like, you know, why have I got more anxiety than her? For example, you know, why, So all of those symptoms, every single one, pain, joint pain, muscle pain. I mean, I've done a lot on pain science. That's kind of my, they're all symptoms of a dysregulated nervous system as well. Does that.
1: Wow. I didn't know this about pain and joint pain. That's incredible.
2: So pain science is my, my kind of previous life. The connections between, this is why I'm trying to take it into menopause, menopause because our Because in pain science, we know through the research, right? You cannot separate the mind, the brain and the body. You can't. And this is where they're going with pain. So instead of looking at it like this pain is because I've got tissue damage, for example, i mean, chronic pain. How do you think this comes through the brain? It's not the muscle. And so when people go, well, I've got knee joint pain, you definitely have knee joint pain, right? but what you've also got to look at is pain doesn't just come chronic pain doesn't come from the knee joint it comes from the nervous system
1: yes Yes. does
2: that so what I'm trying to say is we need to go wider with our thinking rather Mm -hmm. than taking it all down this lane which is it's just my hormones creating this if we widen it slightly for some people are going to go actually do you know I do have a background of trauma and if I do want to investigate is my trauma impacting my symptoms they have then an avenue to to widen that that kind of um solutions don't they
1: yes i go ahead i'm sorry
2: otherwise it's just we're going down this very narrow so joint pain pain comes from the brain i mean i could go on all day but pain comes from the brain not 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 it's a brain it's a protective strategy so your brain Does that make sense? The brain is giving you information. Yes. Like, what is that information that I'm getting back from my body? Yeah. What is my body telling me? Because your body is speaking to you and saying, these symptoms are your symptoms. Even though they tick a box, you still have a different depth of symptom, a different experience of a symptom.
1: We're not the same. This is fascinating and so helpful. I want to just touch on one more time before we sort of pivot to exploring solutions. Um, You talked about in the beginning being sort of over-medicated with uh, hormone replacement, which sort of triggered you to burnout, I think, essentially. So you had all of these life things happening. You have a history of Um, childhood trauma. You are in perimenopause determined by age. You're a highly sensitive person. And now you're over medicated and it was just an accident waiting to happen. So, so all of that happens. And out of that, were you still exploring hormone replacement were you exploring antidepressants and what is your sort of uh perspective on those now
0: for any of us
2: yeah i get asked that a lot um i'm of the and this is a this is my you know personal kind of professional opinion because i think we're so different Mm. there's a lot of i don't know what it's like your end, but there's a lot of talk of um, antidepressants should not be used as first-line treatment um, for hormone fluctuations, right? And that does the research does say that. However, if you've already had a history of any form of depression, like me, postnatal depression, right, then it's a bit more complicated, isn't it? Because you already have a history it's a bit like having a trauma history
1: sure. you've
2: got that history before you get to perimenopause right yes so yes you get to the, this is what I'm trying to say you've already got this history here yeah that history doesn't just stop when you get to perimenopause and then all of a sudden it's like this is perimenopause and you must yeah. be tra- you can so pack
1: like, all that away yeah we're, we're not right, right right right,
2: yeah, right, yeah. right so we know that if it's the first time you've had depression or anxiety and previous to that, you've never felt and you know, then hormonal replacement therapy, you could pretty much say this is due to your fluctuations of your hormones. Mm. HRT is a really good option. You know, it is research to say, right. But then you'll have women that will say, I've taken HRT and it's not touched me. We're all so different. This is why I'm trying to say, if your brain and nervous system is unique, your, t- your experience is completely unique. But it's based on your brain and your nervous system, is my argument. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that bit is the key to understanding well, okay, am I quite an anxious person? Did I have, ang- do I have racing thoughts? Do I overthink everything? Do I overanalyze? Because not everyone does. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm.
2: if you've already got this kind of, you look at yourself and go backwards, right? Rather than going, I'm here in this box, try to think about, well, Where's those pieces of the jigsaw? What type of person am I before I even get to perimenopause? Because then you've got a little bit more understanding of self to try to help you make decisions. Because no, I don't believe that. I don't think there's anything wrong with antidepressants. Personally, I think if you need antidepressants, I use them as a bridge twice in my life. I don't take them now. But that's how I deal with it. It's like I needed them. I need the bridge over to here to give me a platform yeah. to work on myself. HRT, fine, exactly. Yeah. I take HRT. I mean, I'm I'm on a low dose of HRT. I say to women, if HRT is the way forwards, take it, and if it's not, but you need to have the conversation really about who am I rather than what's the medication. I think first.
1: So helpful, and I think just. I, I appreciate thank you your answer and no. for me it's sort of it's it's just sort of um highlights the regard and attention we really need to give our whole experience as whole people and the antidepressant part is really interesting to me because a lot of people I hear will say oh my doctor was just you know throwing antidepressants yeah. at me there's and a, lot, get, of that. And there's a yeah. lot of that and yeah. and how the conversation happens in their doctor's office, how they feel dismissed. But also I think there's so much at this point kind of backlash about antidepressants when there's this incredible opportunity, particularly for people um, who are highly sensitive, who are nervous system dysregulated, who are now in perimenopause, bringing all of this history with them, needing that bridge as you so perfectly put it to. Yes. So thank you for that. Paula, someone wrote in a question. I just want to read to you. Why does trauma come to the forefront during this time? If it's not peri-related
2: peri-related, because I think what happens is there's no research on this part. Okay. So I'm just going to give you, it's, it's coming to the forefront because of the fluctuations of hormones. So it comes up because there's a relationship between toxic stress, which changes the brain in childhood, the nervous system, the endocrine system and the adrenals. So if when I said to you, but there's multiple systems, isn't there in play? So for a certain point, if your hormone system is more regulated, you can kind of keep that side down, can't you? You can cope. Shall we say that? You can cope better because sure. your hormones are, well, look what happens in uh, when we go back to having a baby after then, my hormones are all over the place and I'm, <laughs> I'm going, yeah. you know. So it's the fluctuations of the hormones, the endocrine system and the interaction with the nervous system and the adrenals that starts to shift that balance. And it, it comes, the only way I keep saying it's coming up is because of that shift it's coming
1: that way and yeah. just does that, does that help uh, It certainly sorry i got excited for a second because it just no, occurred like- to me. <laughs> it just occurred to me that here's another thing we hear during this season so much is oh i need to get my adrenals checked or oh i have adrenal fatigue and yeah. and people may not know all of this but i'm now thinking about it sort of broadly and how you are helping to equip us to consider what else might be going in play, and really, I think to be able to walk into a doctor's office or a therapist's office or whatever with a different sort of agency that yes. that commands that you look at all parts of me because I am looking at all parts of me and all
0: parts of me. I think, that's me the, need help right I think now. the
2: difficult thing is though is getting that response. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the UK, you know, doctors are really pushed, and we've got like five minutes, and it's like treat the mm-hmm. symptom.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think
2: what's happening is in a short version of symptoms are symptoms are indicative of something that's going on, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So like if your engine, your car's not working, you know, it's an indication that the systems are disrupted. This is how I see it, right? So when you get to perimenopause and we're kind of at that point where your hormones are going like this, that it's disrupting probably multiple relationships with different symptoms, you know, systems, sorry. Gut health, that's, you know, we could go on about the connection of the gut and the brain and all of this stuff. But depending on your symptoms, because we don't all have 54 symptoms of menopause, do we? And we don't all have them the same. You know, somebody said there's now 50 symptoms in in perimenopause, right? If you were to take one person and say, what are the top five symptoms that you're struggling with? And look at it from that perspective. Anxiety, say, for example, Joint pain. Well, you'd then be able to put a better profile to that person to say, right, this is what I would do. I'd go, right, this joins up with this. This joins with this. Actually, these symptoms that you are having are more related to your gut, your brain, and your hormones than they are, say, somebody else who's got another set of symptoms. We don't right, all right. have the same symptoms. If we did, we'd be going, let's fix this, sure. because this is a universal experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, let's pivot now to getting ourselves on better track. So you are a resource for us. Um, the work you do is is a resource and and available to us. Talk to us a little bit about somatic practices. Is that, am I saying that correctly?
2: So coming from a yoga kind of background, it's kind of like a journey. I've just gone, the reason I've gone into the kind of menopause world with this is because I am that person as well. It's like, you know, I'm in it, I'm experiencing it. And so I'm learning as I go. And so all I'm doing is sharing what I've learned really, you know, and my professional experience. So somatic um, is the body. So when you do somatic work, it's going back to what we said earlier. 80% of the communication from the brain and the body comes from the body up to the brain. And so what I want people to understand is when you're getting sensations, tension, tightness, these are sensations from the body. You're going, God, I feel this tension, or I feel this pain, or I feel this, I feel it in my body. So that information is going up to the brain. And then what tends to happen is we start to think What is that? Is that, is that, you know, health anxiety is a good example, isn't it? What's that pain? What's this? Oh, is it this? And we start to then go into this kind of thinking process. So when you are in a high state of anxiety, your nervous system is in what's called fight-flight response. You are never going to think your way out of a fight-flight response. Does that you can't none of this thinking is going to change the physiology of the body in fact what's it going to do is probably make it worse because you're going to feed back into thoughts back into the body back and it goes around in a circle so somatic work is about understanding if my body if I'm in fight flight hyper arousal right I need to go to the body to regulate the nervous system first and calm down the body because when you're going around in your mind your prefrontal cortex which is your logical thinking part of your brain goes offline and you're going into your limbic system in the brain which is the fear response and so you're going around and so because these two can't be online at the same time does that okay. does that sort of so going to the body is to try to calm down the limbic response and get back into the prefrontal cortex which is where your logical this is okay i'm safe i'm not in danger because remember the brain is just trying to protect you from danger that's what anxiety is
1: so i'm i'm thinking in Sort of really literal terms here, but I'm imagining this: the principle of fight or flight, and the example that everybody uses about cavemen days and running from a predator or whatever. And so you are you are strictly in your body at that moment because you are either fleeing or you're maybe fawning or you yeah, know all you're, those, right. And all those
2: hormones. Remember, you're thinking about perimenopause and you're thinking about hormones. All of those stress hormones are yes. flooding your body.
1: Okay. Not the feel good hormones. Right. And then you, you want to address the body sort of meet it where it is, which yeah. would be somatic work, body work. Calm it down. Yeah. Calm it down. Stop yourself. Realize there's no predator. You're safe. You're whole. You're okay. Vince and your prefrontal yeah.
2: cortex that you're safe.
1: Yes. Switch
2: off the fear center because then you can start to think more clearly. Can't you can't think you're wet. If you're triggered and you're you start thinking, oh, oh, this is a panic attack. Oh, this is, I'm trying to give you. So that this thinking doesn't work. It's get back into the body to calm the body down, calm the nervous system down.
1: Awesome. So tell us, Paula, there's, you mentioned meditation, you mentioned yoga, you just took a big size. So I'm assuming breath work is another principle or another uh, somatic one.
2: Yeah. Yes. Breath work. Yeah. So you've got m- multiple different channels to do somatic work, right? But if you were to say, okay, to your average person, let's go and do 10 minutes of meditation. Most people really do struggle with meditation. So that's something that I think is up the
1: ladder. Okay. Move that
2: out of the way. Don't start with <laughs>
1: meditation. <laughs> you're, I you're love that. Saying- I so appreciate that. Because <laughs> we do like- hear it all the time and it's hard. Yeah, and, and
2: it's easy to throw around and say to people, you should just meditate or you should do this. What's really important is that you're going to have to find techniques that work for you. Again, it's individual, isn't it? But if we take the very, very simple process, first of all, of if my nervous system is dysregulated, it's stuck in fight-flight response. So if you spend more time up in fight-flight, that is what we call nervous system dysregulation. Right? If you're spending a lot of time in that fight-flight mode, switched on, and you you can't, you're trying to operate with low energy because the brain takes up a lot of energy, and so you become sluggish and then you get brain fog and then you these are all symptoms of perimenopause aren't they concentration all of this so we're learning to understand first of all i'm i'm in my fight flight response you've got a window of tolerance we'll say that's in the middle so if you're pushing up that way up into fight flight and you're up here all the time right you're going to get symptoms it, it just is going to happen if you're down here Which is the freeze response that's more depression apathy you know lethargic disassociation there's your window of tolerance so to access that window of tolerance the most simplest way to even start to think about it is through your breathing let's just keep it simple once you understand that and you can regulate a bit better you can then move into i'm going to call you know not advanced work but more complex work because you get better at it. It's like anything, you get better at it. If you practice and go to the gym and lift weights, you get stronger. If you practice nervous system resilience, because one thing I do want to say is, um, a lot of people talk about reducing stress. So let's do mindfulness and reduce stress. Reducing stress is the first part because you wanna reduce the hormonal response, right? But then you wanna build resilience. And I think that's the bit people forget. They do the, let's de-stress, but you also want to you want To fill that well
1: up stress. with, yes, yes. okay. You build
2: resilience to stress, because reducing stress, if you've only got a window of tolerance of that, you can, you're not got much buffer, have you, before we start hitting stress, uh-huh. stress. So really it's about understanding, how can I start to build resilience and strength? In my nervous system and that will really help with your perimenopause symptoms
1: because they're all yeah, the aren't they um I I want to get to a question that came in um and we're getting close to the end of an hour I, I can't help but think though and I just want to say this that the the numbers of us who I think are experiencing this and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about um in this country anyway, um indigenous people, black women who are also sort of you know kind of living a heightened um sort of stressful existence just by virtue of um marginalization, systemic racism and then like, they,
2: psychosocial stresses, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and I'm thinking about the 20% of, I think it was the 20% you said are highly sensitive people. And I'm. Men as well. Men are highly sensitive. I feel like it's gotta be more because there are so many of us who have childhood trauma or, and, and all, and all of that sort of, you know, changing literally, uh, the landscape of our brains seems like many more of us are teed up for a uh, louder perimenopausal experience than, than we may know. It. Anyway, I digress, but I want to get Yeah, I'm to just
2: fascinated with the brain. It's like, this is my it's thing. I can talk about the brain all day. It is fascinating, yeah. But it's like, I'm trying to try to, you know, the, the distinct, aren't they? You've got highly sensitive people, they're over there that's separate then you've got trauma but then you've got the two share the common denominator that's what I'm making and I'm both complex trauma survivor and a highly sensitive person and when you start to understand even knowing that it is like a relief because it is a relief not on your own it's not just me there's other people I can talk to just even having a conversation with you is like oh you get it yes you get it oh
1: yes it's, it's profound. Yes, I do know what you mean. I now wait. More questions have come in, so hang For tight. Two, One minute. Three okay. weeks. Okay. to <laughs> right Okay. All right. Here's here's the first of of three. Oh. I am highly sensitive and have childhood trauma. During my perimenopause, I am experienced experiencing insomnia, anxiety, fears, depression, and exhaustion also i am doing a lot of therapy to process my suppressed emotion and feelings during the lifetime but i reached the point that it is difficult to complete my daily routine so i've started taking an antidepressant to help myself what are your thoughts about it and any recommendations we touched on this a little if you want to circle back for a moment paula that okay,
2: so great. i'm just going to say the way i view anything is this if it helps you as an individual you do it, right? I can't, I can't, I get quite strong about this whole, well, you shouldn't take antidepressants, you should do this, you should do that. You should do exactly what you need to do. So first of all, antidepressants are a bridge. Now, we know if you're talking cognitive therapy, that's another thing. I don't know what type of therapy you're doing because I do both. And this is why I started doing both because if I don't address the nervous system and the body, I can't get what I need to get back up here to the prefrontal cortex and rewire that stuff. So I now do cognitive therapy and somatic therapy too, right? Take antidepressants if they help to give you a foundation of stability to do the work, because that is what you need, isn't it? You need a more stable base. Now, medication has its place 100%, and I would say that I've done it twice. I've come off them, I have to say, but what I would like to know or I think would be are you doing cognitive and somatic work or is it more cognitive this based up here
1: does that so helpful thank you thank you much to think about um Paula okay next most people do experience fight or flight add freeze to that yes is, I literally yeah, the- yes yeah. I literally just pass out during anxiety attacks what can help with that
2: so, depending on, obviously, it's very difficult because you know to give therapeutic advice to someone mm. is a is a is a is not a is a, sure. not a good thing. However, if you're experiencing, if you're going up into panic and and you're going she's she's going down and up that ladder, isn't she? This is what it sounds like to me. So you're going high fight flight, but you're also then going down to freeze, and this mm. can be so the vagus nerve. Oh God, I could speak all day. The vagus mm-hmm. nerve would be what i would look at right because the vagus nerve connects all the major organs and that regulation it's like a a car so the vagus nerve regulates the brain body communication so she sounds very dysregulated we're going up and down the the middle bit's missing isn't it we haven't got a lot of in the middle of the window of tolerance vagus nerve training this is something that i could you know we could look at because vagus nerve training techniques regulate the kind of gas She's going like that.
1: Quick, yes, back. yes, gas break, gas break, yes. gas break. Yeah, so you've
2: got to you put down on the, then it's this, then it's that, we've got no kind of clutch control. Is mm. that the right way to say it? That make, That's correct. correct. That, that makes sense. Now. And then when I say to them, clutch control, if I speak to an 18 year old, like ah, <laughs> I know, you, you have to know how to drive standard. It's that, you know, that regulation. That's why it's called regulation. So it's, this is sounding a bit erratic. I don't know if that's helping because I can't give, you know, therapeutic advice to someone, but it's the vagus nerve. That's what I would look to do. Look at the vagus nerve.
1: Thank you, Paula. Finally, did, this is an interesting question. Did previous generations suffer to this degree? Right.
2: This is a really interesting, look, I don't have the answer to that. I'm going to say that, but I am going to say one thing. There's a big debate, isn't it? Right. Okay. So If you look at the biopsychosocial model of health, right, which not a lot of people really do understand within menopause. okay, but in pain science over here, that's all Mm. they talk about, which is why I know a lot about it. You have your biological factors, okay, your body, your biological stuff, your medical stuff. Then you've got your social support. Right. And then you've got your psychological stuff. The one thing that I think is that when I think about my gran, right, she my mom's a different story. But when I think about my gran, right, she had a very simple life. I'm going to say it was simple compared to what my life's been like. Right. She had next door neighbours that were always constantly talking to each other. She'd go up the village and she'd meet 27 other women and they'd all be tribes. Right. And they'd all be chatting and supporting
1: community. We
2: live a very different life to what, you know, we live a very different life to what's happened in the past, don't we? We don't live in the same way for a start. You know, we've got sensory overload, phones, TVs, you know, think about all of the, if you're an empath like me, I have to stop watching the news, right? Because I literally am like, I'm yeah. triggered, I'm yeah. triggered. Mm-hmm. So you could argue from a social support side and we know that pain sites, it all matters, no matter what people say, it all matters, right? And they'd have a different social network, wouldn't they? They'd be much more chatting and, you know, a problem halved, a problem solved. And they didn't live, I don't think, in the way we live now. I think a lot of our stuff is is down to chronic stress. Mm. Sorry. We we, we are living a very different life. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of arguments about, well, people didn't live as long and all of that. That's all being debunked. I mean, that's a controversial kind of... But no, we don't live in the same way. And women don't live in the same way. You know, my gran looked after my granddad. I'm not saying this is right. She looked after the kids. She looked after my granddad. He worked. She did this bit. No, we're kind of doing all of that, plus more and more and more. (laughs) You know, the load, (laughs) the load. I said load, you can only carry so much load before your nervous system says, hello, we're not carrying this anymore. And it happens in midlife. It's like, oh, I'm overloaded.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I I think, of yes, thank you for that. I think about this a lot because it, it does come up sort of how things used to be and how things are now. And it's right or wrong, you know, I'm just yeah. Saying. No, 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 no judgment. It's just, just observations. And I think about, well, you know, to your point, childhood trauma was going on always right but but there's a discussion that's happening now that didn't happen 50 years ago or 100 years ago and so on and so that alone makes things different um but certainly everything you're speaking of um it you can't help but imagine that the things that people are going through now
2: the thing you mentioned just quickly, though, is and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because when we look at how women struggle, I mean, I, I really do. you know, I'm not. This is not denying anyone's struggle. My goodness me, you know. But we know from like Japan has a completely different menopause right. experience. Right, black women are yeah. having a different. Yeah. Men- so yeah. What I'm trying to say is that you, if you just take it as a bunch of symptoms, we'd all pretty, we all pretty much share unless unless you went through surgical menopause and sure. if you're going through menopause through the aging process perimenopause intermenopause your hormonal environment your biology is it within a bandwidth of being quite similar i would say because your hormones are changing your is but then what what's happening right. to your own body yeah would you not say is completely different
1: I'm going to stop us here. Yeah. We could go on so for hours. Um, oh, one more question just came in. Can you give us two more minutes, Paula? Yeah. Okay. I'd you like, <laughs> <Thank you>. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I I'd like to, to, to start, I, I, I love this. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Thank you. Um, I'd like to start breathing exercises during my hyper arousal times right away. Can you suggest a breathing exercise to take with us today? That's a great question.
2: You've got to keep it. If you're just starting out on this journey of learning, because it's a learning experience, just keep it as simple as possible. Right. So I'm just going to give you a very simple technique. Okay. so. Box breathing is a really good technique and you may have heard of it. So I'll just explain it first, but then I'm going to tell you why I do it slightly differently. Box breathing is where you inhale for four. Hold your breath for four, exhale for four, hold your breath, and then inhale again. So you go round in a square. Does that make sense? People will yes, have heard yes. it right. But when you're really dysregulated or you're triggered or you're feeling, one of the things to do is to take the brain's focus away from the body, give it something to focus on. So I'm just going to explain it. Get your finger, imagine there's a box, and just go, okay, inhale, four, hold, four, and go across. So you're drawing it with your finger. Does that make sense? Rather than, so it's inhale, exhale, no, hold, sorry, exhale, hold, across. Because you're giving, instead of it being, Inhale four, exhale. Take your focus away from here. Does that, that make sense? Of the sensations awesome. of the body. Because yes, you're almost yeah. in a you can go into panic attacks and stuff like that. Mm. So if you go, if you go inhale for four, hold and then go across, exhale four, hold, and then go across. And almost draw a square with your finger. Does that
1: it's fantastic. Thank you for that question. And thank you for the, the answer. Paula Rastrick, uh, I feel like I just don't like this. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm like sweating. This has been a fantastic hour. Thank you so much. Please tell us where we can find you other than Mrs. Paula Rastrick on Instagram so i'm on
2: tiktok as well mrs paula rastrick i've just started on linkedin if anyone's on that and i'm going to go on facebook but at the moment i would say instagram and tiktok is my kind of two platforms at the moment that i And your
1: practice I, your your website?
2: Yeah so my website my website my website is um com because it's all around
1: the brain and the body um Thank you for starting us down this path, starting us down this conversation about what truly is, as I said in the beginning, the, as far as I'm concerned, the missing piece um, to help us understand, become aware, become sensitive to, hold space for ourselves, start on a path of healing that is safe, sensible, science driven some um,
2: evidence-based That's really yes
1: um it's just it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much thank you to all who came and your questions your comments welcome paula to the perry community we will talk again
2: thank you for having me yes i feel like i could go on and on as you could and and so we're gonna have to do it again i'm so passionate about you know getting the stuff that i've learned out there because it can't just be applying to me we've spoken about this this is like oh this makes sense oh that makes sense it's these light bulb moments where you're like oh that now makes sense and see when things make sense when they make sense
1: it is a game changer you know as you said we're not alone that's the first thing but also as as i said earlier i think more of us are walking around with this so many of us i think certainly have uh, trauma in our background yeah. i don't know about the highly sensitive person part but that alone is changing our experience you know 30 40 20 whatever many years it is since that moment or several moments um yeah,
2: it does it lives so. in the nervous system and that is yeah. research now we have all of that research it's living in in the body so if it's living in the body and it's there then it's likely that you are going to have a different sensation yeah. to symptoms. If that that kind of, I'd, I'd like to put that across, you know, that's what's happening. And that is science driven. I'm happy to give any research out.
1: Yeah, um, we're gonna talk to you again and we're gonna do other things with you. And um, I'm this. really going to let you go now because we'll- I'm going to go. My dog's over here as well. Okay. I'm like,
2: Dog, leave it, leave it. I'm in the middle of this. <laughs> like,
1: it, was- <laughs> it was
2: such a pleasure, Paula.
1: Thank you. Thank, Thank you so for much. Everyone joined. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Bye everyone. Be well. Enjoy the day. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to our perimenopause. What the F podcast. The perimenopause journey can be lonely, and it doesn't have to be that way. Make sure to download our free peri app to connect with perimenopause warriors in the same stage of life. See you next time, peri sisters.